Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. We are so, so, so thankful to have you join us. And for those new on the journey, for those who've been on the journey for a minute, welcome to the Why Though community. We are everywhere. No, I don't know where you are. You could be in, <laughs> you could be in your car. You could be in a, 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 a Midwest day. You could be on the coast. I don't know where you mm-hmm, are, but we're here mm-hmm. for you and we're in this together. Yes, we definitely are. And grateful that you guys are here. Hmm. Well, today uh, is a very special one, near and dear to my heart. We are at the tail end of um, AAPI Heritage Month, mm-hmm. and we want to honor and celebrate AAPI voices. Um, but before we do that, I just want to first give some context to this month and why it's so special um, and how it's unique, especially as we think if you're uh, an American listening to this, live in the United States, um, just how just how hard that's been to celebrate and how it's taken a minute to find our feet and find our voice um, in spaces and places where we haven't been welcomed or we've been stereotyped in a way where we haven't felt seen or heard in the larger race narrative and conversation um, that yeah. we're having as a nation. So I'm I'm truly, truly so eager to celebrate some voices that have been both personal in Ashley and I's lives, as well as um, broader, louder voices that many of you might already know and love and perhaps some new ones. But um, it's interesting because often when we talk about race and we talk about heritage, especially when it comes to America, we have sometimes a black-white binary. But I think the beauty of America is that there are so many ethnicities represented and there mm-hmm. are so many voices and there are so many people. So when we are talking about the AAPI community, Asian American Pacific Islander, it's really uh, probably more accurate to call it the AAPI communities because there's so many different yeah. communities and different cultures and different ethos um, and ways of living represented in that community. So just something to hold and think about rather than broad stroking um, a Pacific Islander with um, a brother or sister from Japan or from Taiwan or what have you. And just how unique it is um, for each person and their experience in the world. And I know um, I feel like and Ashley's kind of watched this journey in my own life, especially in the last 10 years, um, coming into my own and owning my Asianness, owning my South mm-hmm. Asian identity and how proud I am of that because for many, because we make up such a small population in the United States, AAPI as a whole, um, we we want to be seen and be heard and be known. And that has often meant bowing to dominant culture. And that's not what's needed. That's not what builds a holistic fabric of a society. It's to bring our whole selves, no matter who we are, to bring our whole selves to the table. And because we have so many female listeners, Asher, are you okay if I just share some stats on API women and kind of their experiences? Um, I have had the privilege of sharing some of these stats just in um, keynotes and, and conferences and workshops and seminars in the last year. 
just the experience of what it means to be an AAPI woman in the workplace and also faith spaces. And it has been one where we are so bound by stereotypes that we are considered dependable, but not seen as having a voice of power. Uh, it, regardless if we come across as um, overt or, or maybe we come across as more subservient, it doesn't matter. We're so pinned in. And, and you, this could be said to obviously many cultures, but it's been interesting how, you know, there's some of the most educated women in the country uh, right. identify as AAPI, yet they are routinely overlooked for promotions or... Um, uh, speaking opportunities, writing, I mean, what have you, anywhere they operate, they're often reduced to uh, their, their, their appearance and they're either hypersexual or subservient or exotic and um, seen only for their bodies. In fact, this last mm. weekend, actually, I was um, sharing at a workshop called Unpacking Purity Culture and I was the only person who wasn't a therapist so that was that was uh that was <laughs> I got to learn so much it was so wonderful but one of the gals she is half Chinese and she was sharing of how purity culture specific specifically affects um, East Asian and Chinese women exclusively and talking about how hundreds of years ago women weren't allowed uh, um, off the boats when they came to America because they didn't assume that these were women of high regard. They, they were assumed ill repute. They must be sex workers. They must be, this is the only reason they're here. Rather than seeing them as image bearers, rather than seeing them as somebody to welcome, seen as geishas or tiger mothers, there was always a label. They couldn't just be. They couldn't just be women who are worthy of dignity and respect. And I share that tiny little um tiny, tiny, tiny microscopic story to think of how in modern day, not much has changed um, for AAPI women in those spaces. They're often just reduced to assumptions to the point that they can never come a rise above them despite their, you know, a, a great work ethic or that they have a multifaceted approach to life or maybe they're in an interracial marriage or there's so much more to each of us. There's so much more to each of us. So I encourage you, as you think about, especially, I know we're wrapping up AAPI month, but, and maybe you only notice because you're walking through Target and you saw a journal on an end cap, <laughs> but there's something to celebrate about such a rich heritage that isn't often heard in the larger narrative of America. Yeah. I do always appreciate the reminder that no people group is a monolith and that Come within yeah. every single community, there is a unique experience of the individual. And then there are also unique experiences to the community. And every person is raised differently in different places with different families that have different, you know, perspectives and views and experiences of shame or experiences of joy or experiences of life and everything. We just can't paint anything with the broad stroke. And I really appreciate that. And I don't know, like, has that been your experience too, Tiffany? I'm very curious, like sort of, cause I don't know that side of you to be a person who's more subservient. Like I know you to be a very strong leader and, you know, someone who's very bold and speaks out often. And so I'm curious, like, what's that experience like for you um, as you are part of this community that is not a monolith? Yeah, well, I definitely identify with this idea of being treated as exotic. 
right. and rare that and a, almost a doll, if you will, which is so, so destructive and so Completely. unhelpful. Um, but I definitely identify with that. I felt like that uh, for the majority of my life, especially in my 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say the subservient, like you'll do what you're told mm-hmm. uh, mantra or, or understanding mm-hmm. um, that many AAPI women share. I, I have seen that just assuming that I will do whatever is asked of me without any rebuttal, without any kickback, that I'm here to meet someone else's needs, not to be a whole person on my own. Um, And obviously, why the listeners, you you get all of me. You see how ridiculous and extroverted I am, and this is who I am all the time. So I I make, I I waste no time being my full self um, and, and doing my best to explain my expectations. But I, I am... I am often, and as, as many API women are, reduced to these expectations right. or that, I mean, and even the flip side of that is that we're all educated and we're the silent minority, model minority that we know, just put your yes, head down, do good in school, huge. and then just right. go, you don't get to have problems, you get to help right. solve the problems. Right. That's all you're good for. That's what you're here for. Right. Um, so there's that narrative as well. And uh, just this idea uh, that... that that there's that there's no power to be held by the API community. You know, you think of um, historically how Chinese men were um, were denied jobs when they would apply when they when they came and they obviously built our railroads and yes. they were just diligent workers and many of them opened and also restaurants. many enslaved labor as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this, it's not like people mm-hmm. were being paid you know, to do this. It was a terrible working environment and that gets yeah. overlooked all the time. Yeah. And then here they were wanting to work, wanting to provide for their families and nobody would hire them. And right. and they opened restaurants and it is a beloved, you know, part of American culture to have good Chinese food. But when we think about why that was for many the only option, they didn't have a place of power in traditional male roles for that time in right. history. And that's not OK. That's not OK. And so. This idea that um, this is what women are good for. And, and, you know, even I think of women who are dating, um, AAPI women, specifically Asian women, East Asian, are the most swiped right women. Right. um, Because they're they're this, again, that stereotype that they can be taken advantage of and fetishized. Yes. Right. So it it comes in all (laughs) it comes at all angles. And I think. I've had to personally, and I don't know that I've shared this on why though, but rather than seeing it as, um, as some sort of defect that no, I can speak two languages. I'm a dual language speaker and Michelle Reyes in her book, Becoming All Things really helped me realize this, um, that no, I can be fully present as an Indian American and I can be fully a present as an American and I am capable of code switching and I need to not see this as, oh, I'm just contorting myself to fit in dominant culture. No, I'm capable of holding my own in both cultures. And um, seeing that as something that I can own and take the agency of rather than feeling like the power is is sucked out of me without my permission. Yeah, that's so powerful and important. And it's a good narrative switch 
to be able to recognize like, no, this is part of how I move through the world and how I'm successful yes. in the world. And, you know, I think that's a lesson so many women learn that gets compounded by things like race and class, um, mm-hmm. you know, because all women have to do this sort of dance. And I don't know a single woman who feels safe, you know, in a room full of men, you know, in her core. Yeah. And you just yeah. think about all these different things. And then you layer on top of race or you layer on top of, you know, um, economic status and you know it just changes people's experience in the world so I love hearing about this and part of the reason we wanted to record today is because we really wanted to focus on um, the women who are in our lives that have really made a difference and I can remember my very first um, close relationship with um, an Asian American woman and that was um, my dear friend Love and she was Filipino her mom was Filipino a single mom my mom was a single mom and they were very close we spent a ton of time together she I would design my prom dresses and she would make them I mean I was Stop always it. in their home when they what? were doing like fish fries and hanging out and oh we spent so lots of sleepovers and, and she was also a hairdresser so she cut my mom's hair and you know they were just they were connected in a way that was really beautiful and meaningful and I learned so much about you know culture and food and the way that she would cook and the way that she would you know create this home for her daughter and so welcomed me in and I really really loved having that experience because it exposed me at a very young age um, to different cultures and even I was um, having a conversation with friends the other night and we were just talking about the wonder of growing up smelling other foods and being Mm. in other people's homes and understanding that the world is not routinely American. And I think that that is, but it it is, it is all American, but you know, if you only grow up with burgers and fries and you're not used to different smells in other people's homes, or you don't know what a fish fry is, or, you you know, you know, you don't experience the world differently outside of your own culture when it comes to your senses and how you see things and how you connect with others. I think that's why a lot of kids and a lot of families and a lot of people as they age have so much resistance to difference in culture um, because you don't experience at a young age. But that was a real blessing to me to be able to have that. We were both cheerleaders. And I, one of my favorite pictures that we have together, um, walking down as um, a 15 year old, and she is an entire foot shorter than me. She's oh, now wow. um, a, a really cool nurse in San Diego, but she was an entire foot shorter than me. And we're walking down the hallway together in our cheerleading skirts and our little outfits, and <laughs> just like being the best of friends. And I'm super thankful for that experience because it does, it, it is a teacher. Um, and every person that we meet has something to teach us. And there is an opportunity if we have it. And because you should never force your way in. This is invitation only. But if you can have the experience of being in other people's homes who have a culture yeah. that is unique and eating together and um, not turning your nose up at things, but welcoming a new experience and a new opportunity to know and understand where someone comes from, like their true heritage, what they were raised with, and not to um, look down on it again, but to to be like, this is awesome. Like what a radical experience that I get to have. And so that was one of my first, I've got many that I'll talk about, but that's the Mm. first one I wanted to share that really made a a deep and lasting impact on me. Oh, I love it. Well, you, one thing I love learning about your background and your just formative years, Ashley, is how 
diverse it was. Yes. When I think of North Very. Carolina small town, this is not what I think of. And the stories right. you've shared on why, though, and personally, I'm like, what a rich upbringing mm -hmm. to be exposed in years that it matters and years that you can build bridges and build community and understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've shared this on why, though, several times, but I didn't meet another person of color until I was in middle school. And I don't know that I met another AAPI. I am, I mean, I am just searching the archives of my brain right now, right. probably till I was in my 20s. Wow. Um, and there was, when I lived in London, there was this. That must have been life changing, by the way. Oh, girl. To like suddenly oh. see yourself everywhere must have been like, wow. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it's like, it's like breathing through a straw your whole life. Right. And then being able to breathe on your own. That's and you're wondering like, metaphor. where have you all been? Like, right. I didn't know it could be like this. Mm -hmm. I had no idea there was this big, wide, juicy world mm -hmm. painted different colors and different ideas and ethnicities and values that could make the world brighter and make every color more vivid. Um, so at this school I worked at, I, I taught after school hip hop classes at this, at this school. And one of the teachers at the school was Indian. And honestly, one of the first Indian women I ever met in person. Mm. <laughs> oh, you guys, you guys. Huge. Oh, I, and just like you said, it's to never see yourself, to right. never see yourself represented will make you wonder where you fit your whole life. So she was this teacher and I got to know her just be, you know, walking through the halls and I, she was so chic and sassy and wonderful and sharp and witty. Oh, Ashley, you would have loved her. And, um, we got to know each other and this woman was engaged and she invited me to her wedding yeah. <laughs> and she was marrying, uh, her, her fiance was white. Um, and this wedding was like 600 people because it was an Indian wedding. And you guys remember, never been a part of Indian culture growing up. This is this is really all new to me. Right. Um, and the person I was living with loaned me some Indian clothes because she happened to have more Indian garb than I did. Um, and, uh, and so I'm all dressed up and feeling my most Indian self. I wore my hair curly, which I don't often do. And went to this wedding and danced to Bollywood songs and ate this beautiful meal and just saw the beauty and, and vibrant colors and, and just majesty right. um, of my first culture. But more than that, I was just so amazed at her of fully owning who she was and not apologizing for who she was and just right. killing it. Um, and making no excuses for her place in the world, and, yeah. and which we kind of um, hinted to at the beginning, but seeing it up close in person for the first time. And I was 19. I was 19, living in London, watching this woman do the dang thing and just be an incredible teacher. All the kids adored her. It was just, it gave me a picture of what could be. Right. You could love your life and embrace who you are and not apologize. I, I mean, you know, I think... Um, as I was uh, thinking this last week about what it means to be brown, I <laughs> I found um, my old cheerleading pictures and all the girls got caught for um, smoking weed. So there, it was down to like two in the final picture. And I remember when this picture was taken um, and I just remember being so embarrassed because I was the only uh, cheerleader of color at the entire tournament um, at this uh, basketball tournament and all the cheerleaders, literally like just a sea of pure white. Uh, and just feeling so, so embarrassed, mm. so embarrassed and wondering, you know, again, who would like me? I'm proud. Like, who would love me? And then watching that woman, just woman a few years later, living her best life. I was like, oh, 
it, it, this is what could be. So it just made right. such a mark. We've not kept in touch or anything like that, but just that, um, and this is pre-social media. I just want to throw that out there. Right. Um, like, you when know you what I'm saying? Like when you left, you left. Like, what am I going to do? Write you a letter? <laughs> no. Like, we didn't have we didn't email for a long time, y'all. You want me to send you international mail? No. Correct. I'm not doing it. that. <laughs> <laughs> What's her married name? I don't even know. No. Anyway. Nobody but knows. It was I just, I, I felt like Cinderella at the ball. I really, really did. And uh, it's just marked me. I, I've kept that moment with me tucked in my pocket and in my, the corner of my heart for so very long. And um, it, it really, really made quite the impact. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, another one um, that has been has meant the world to me is the Grant family, which if you follow me on social media at all, then you're familiar mm. with them because I post pretty often about their impact on my life. But I met them in my early 20s in Los Angeles. I became their their nanny. And it was beautiful because they're also a Filipino family. So having that experience, you know, growing up, um, loving to eat. Macy is um, who the wife is and the mother, but and a dear friend and mentor of mine. But she makes the best adobo that you have ever oh, eaten gosh, in your entire so life. Good. Like it is, Oof. it is exceptional. And I've been eating it for a long time and we love it. <laughs> and, you know, they invited me to come and be their nanny. And so mm. I started out working with their son who was three and a half years old. He's so special. All three of their kids are really special. And then um, worked for them for until he went into the first or second grade, I believe. Oh, wow. And and then um, I lived with them for a period of time in their home um, while I was nannying for them. And it was one of the most healing, formative times of my mm. life. And they taught me so much about money and they taught me so much about communication. And they were just they really love each other. They have the, the best marriage. And when we moved back to Los Angeles from New York, we literally got like a little apartment for a short time while we were looking for a house. And, you know, we basically just called them and said, hey, like, what is your zip code? We need to know because we're just going to move there. And we picked their zip code and we only looked at houses in that, like that would be within five to 10 minutes from them because I love this. they have this type of um, community and connection and way of relating. And their marriage is beautiful and obviously not perfect, but beautiful. And they love each other so much. And even when they're in times of conflict, it's one of the things they taught me is that you can still be kind to one another. You can still be respectful. You don't have to resolve everything to figure your life out. You don't have to resolve everything in a, in a conflict in order to be connected to one another. And they've raised these beautiful kids, two teenagers, one out of the house. He just graduated this mm. past weekend. The kid I nannied for, you oh know, graduated graduated college. And so I just think, you know, being close to them has really taught me so much. I definitely have always, I don't know if it's because I was raised, um, you know, there, again, this is, there's this, these intersections where class and race overlap. And I think because being raised in a particular class that sometimes intersects uniquely with race, um, I think that it, it gave me the opportunity to really learn from people in a unique way. And then yeah. I think that being able to be around other women of color who are parents, I feel so much more connected to their way of parenting than mm -hmm. I do to the parenting um, that I see like on social media or in movies or in a lot of white families, because it it is, there's a deeper thing that happens and it's more communal and it's more connected. It's warm. It's embracing. Doors always open. Food's always cooking. I can pull something out of the fridge for you really quickly. Like, let me just look, just come in and sit down and take a load off. And I have found that many women of color and especially the Asian women that I have been lucky enough to be close to 
that has been true is that it's, it's come eat with me, be with me, sit with me, tell me what's on your mind. How can I sit here with you and be present with you? Can I journey with you? Um, and also the Filipino culture obviously has left a massive mark on my life, but I found, you know, many nurses are Filipino and many caretaking fields are Filipino women. And, um, and I don't mean that in a way that's like, that's the only thing they can do. So please hear my heart here, but it's, oh, yeah. it's because yeah. the culture is so rich in service and it's mm-hmm. because the culture is so rich and deeply connected to humanity. And I think that that is probably the one thing that I will take away for life from the Asian American women in my life, including you, Tiffany, is that there is this real desire to serve. There's a deep well of love. There's a deep well of connectedness to humanity and others that I think many people, um, many other cultures have to work hard for. And it comes so naturally to Asian American women. And I think that that is something that I will thank God for until the day I die. And I will keep myself around it until the day I die, because it is something that I want to inform how I live, how I move through the world, how I connect deeply with others. And, you know, it's important that we have these experiences and learn from one another. Yeah. Uh, Two observations. Number one, it's decidedly not Western. It's not that I'm only here for me. We are isolated. Um, we, We keep to our family unit. It's like you said, it's so, so, so communal. And I... I'm so touched by the way you experience God through that. Like yeah. it is, that's incredible to see the heart of the Lord through the way somebody operates and lives their life and um, lives out their values in their culture. I think that is just so incredibly powerful. Um, my second one, I, I'm thinking of so many people I want to name. But I know. I, it feels I'm like, hard, oh, gosh, doesn't it? Okay. I'm like, how do you just For time's sake, down? Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I love that we're really painting the picture of each person and giving some time to it. But um, it's actually a girl I mentor that I want to share about that's had a really beautiful effect on me. Um, I've mentored her since she was 16. Her name's Jade. Um, and she is just this incredible, incredible Chinese woman who has navigated white spaces and she owns who she is and her mom's Chinese her dad is white um and watching her grow up from 16 and she just turned 30 um it's been so beautiful to see her flourish to see her own her culture but also not be bound by any sort of stereotype to watch her climb the corporate ladder and see her tenacity and not be bound by anyone else's agenda for her not her parents not culture um not any stereotypes yeah and to just see her walk this out um and you know it's so fun i i've been so 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 blessed by her and she is so creative just so expressive and mm. I just I am just so blessed by the next generation of AAPI women yes. and who they are becoming and yeah. keeping one hand firmly on the culture and the immigrant parents that raise them yeah. and another hand on the future of and how they're blending that into the American experience yeah. and, and even just in her in her 20s she moved in with her aging grandma to take care of her right. while still finishing you know finishing up school and trying to land her dream job and right. and still being so faithful to fulfill her you know family duties and just watching her give her Friday nights to her grandma and take care yes. of this woman it just it I, I don't I don't know many people who would do that and 
just it's just incredible. I've I've just learned so much from her. And Jade, if you're listening, which I'm sure you maybe not, maybe are, who knows? Uh, but it just I'm excited. I think the future is bright. Um, and to see people so richly love their culture, but also lead the way yeah. and cast vision for what could be and and really architect the future of America. I know that sounds a little like airy flary, but want to commit to progress and want to be heard because their parents or grandparents might have felt silenced, but they're not taking no for an answer. Mm-hmm. You know, they're ready to move forward. Yes. So I'm I'm feeling the future is bright. And I'm, I, I wouldn't have been able to say this 10, 20 years ago, but uh, being AAPI, identifying as that, being a South Asian Indian woman, it's what I love about myself the most. Yeah. <laughs> it's truly what I love about myself the yeah. most. And that is, that's come from awakening yeah. to my own goodness rooted in the kingdom. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like we should just wrap there because it's, it's so, call it a day. it's a beautiful place of becoming. And yeah. I think that what all of us can take away from what you just shared, Tiffany, and just the few examples, I mean, Tiffany and I could write pages of women who have deeply impacted us from the AAPI community um, in their in their teaching, in their love for the Lord, in their books, in their interviews, in their creativity, in their art. Like there is, there's a long list. But I think what we can really take away here is just this sense of being at home in yourself and yes. a, a sense of, um, you know, arriving at a a place of contentment and love for the person God created you to be. And the more that you shine in that, Tiffany, the more you're encouraging all of us to shine in that. And so it is beautiful to see. We love to see it. And we love getting to learn from you every single week and getting to celebrate your culture and getting to celebrate your journey. And all of the AAPI um, communities, we are thankful for your mm. contributions and for what you have given us. We are grateful to be able to learn from your communal way in the world and from your desire to learn and grow and achieve and change this world. It ministers to all of us. And so we are thankful. And we thank you, the listeners, for tuning in for another week and um, love, love, love being able to celebrate this with you guys. Mm, so so rich and so good and I'm humbled by your words Ashley thank you and next week we are going to have a state of the union a wide yeah. state of the union yep. um, the world is cray cray and sure it's heartbreaking is. and yes. we are numb yep. um, and we are going to address that as a family next week so we look forward to touching base see you next yeah. Thursday bye you guys bye. hey listeners remember to subscribe and comment it helps others to find the show To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit TiffanyBloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit AshAbercrombie.org. See you next week.